The Giants are looking to avoid taking more laps as they head to the Windy City to take on the Bears. Can Big Blue beat Mitchell Trubisky and company? We preview the matchup and make our predictions. We also react to Tiki Barber's comments on Saquon Barkley. Speaking of Saquon, we are joined by one of the toughest dudes to ever wear a Giants uniform. Former teammate of mine and two-time Super Bowl champion, Ahmad Bradshaw. All that and more next on Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back, everybody, to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Rate us five stars. Write a nice review. If you do use Apple, we appreciate your support. We'll preview the Giants matchup this Sunday in Chicago against the Bears as Big Blue looks to get in the winning column. Joining the show this week is two-time Super Bowl champion, part of Earth, Wind, and Fire. It is the running back, Ahmad Bradshaw, dropping by. But first, here they are, your hosts of the Blue Rush podcast. It's Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz and two-time Giants Super Bowl champion Lawrence Tynes. Tynesy, Paulie, take it away, fellas. Paul, it looks like Tiki's at it again. He did this in 07. He he attacked our quarterback, and good things happened. So maybe this is an omen. Well, hold on. Okay, wait. Let, let's go easy with the attacked our quarterback here. But yes, Tiki Barber, who is near and dear to our... First of all, everything Tiki says is almost always true. But uh, Tiki Barber, yes. I mean, it is sacrosanct, isn't it, to question Saquon Barkley. And Tiki Barber did it. He's got a radio show, Tiki and Tierney. And he said he doesn't know if Saquon Barkley is an every-down back because he cannot pass protect. And it's starting to become glaring. Now, that is not a sexy part of playing running back in the NFL, right? It's yards, no. it's touchdowns, it's 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 catching the ball, it's it's you know, all the highlights. That's what gets the, you know, Saquon Barkley signed a $25 million contract with Nike. And at not one point, I'm sure, did Nike say you can pass block like crazy. And that's why we're giving you all this money. First of all, Lawrence, why is it important for a running back to pass block? Well, it's really important. I mean, they, you got to pick up the blitzes. They, they rely on you to obviously protect the quarterback. You know, we, we'll have a mod on talking about that and how important it is. But it's it's part of your job, you know, and, and part of your job isn't just running and catching the football. It's protecting your quarterback. And listen, I, I'm not going to get all over Saquon. I don't know enough about being a running back to, to get on him. He's in his third year. He's in game 31, 32. I mean, he missed a few last year. There's obviously some things he needs to clean up up. And that's probably one of them. I have all the faith in the world that Saquon Barkley at some point, hopefully this year or in his career is going to become a complete running back. If you want to factor in pass blocking. Well, you know, let's just, let's hold the pump the brakes here a little bit because this is a guy when he was drafted is a generational talent. We were told, right? Dave Gettleman said he is touched by the hand of God. Hmm. Okay, a little bit of hyperbole, but you draft the guy number two, I think. I mean, I haven't seen the fingerprints, uh, his or her fingerprints. Let's be correct about this, what, what God's fingerprints are, but um, it could be either one, right? We're non-denominational here with that. Look, Saquon Barkley is supposed to be a great player. He's a great runner. He was not good Monday night against the Steelers. He whiffed on a block and got Daniel Jones sacked. This He's a big, strong guy with big, heavy legs. He can do it. Now, I covered Tiki Barber in... 1997 when he was a rookie okay he was a little bitty thing he was a third down back 
He could only stay on the field if he could pass protect. He was not good at it. Uh, he was His career was teetering in year two or three. He was teetering. He was told by Jim Fossil, you got to strike better with your hands. You know what Tiki did? I talked to Tiki about this just today. And I he said, well, I went to take boxing lessons to improve my punch, okay? His running back coach, Jim Skipper, told him, you need to strike the rusher with the same arm, the same hand and foot, okay, to, for your leverage so you don't get spun around. These are the little technical things that Saquon Barkley, quite frankly, is not doing. And look, we all love Saquon. He's a terrific guy and a terrific player, but this is stuff that has to be cleaned up. First of all, you can't have a, a guy on the field on third down if he can't pass protect. So, you know, I don't think Saquon gets a pass here. I know it's his third year and he's 23 years old, but I'm not trying to be a hard ass about this, but he needs to be great. You know, he is he is the answer, not the question. And so, you know, don't you think his teammates will look at him and say, dude, you got to do this. You know, this is important. Yeah, they're definitely looking at him. And and, and that's something he's going to have to improve on moving forward in the season. And obviously they have to trust him. But the question is, is who else do you put out there? Is Wayne Gallman a great pass protector? Is Lewis a, a pass protector? I don't know the, the answers to those questions, but holy cow, I want to I want 26 on the field as many times as I can have him out there. And if he's if he doesn't, you got to protect the franchise, right? I'm not saying Saquon's not part of that, but Daniel Jones is your number one responsibility on this football team up front and in the backfield. They're going to have to figure out a way, you know, in practice, which, you know, with limited padded practices anymore, it's going to be hard. I mean, he's going to have to take in-game reps and, and get better at it. Same foot, same shoulder. I heard you reference that earlier. Coach Quinn, T-Mac, special teams guys, they know what same foot, same shoulder is. And maybe he should go spend some time covering kicks and, and doing some run fits over there with those guys because everyone on special teams knows what same foot, same shoulder means. And I'm sure Saquon does too. But, you know, I think part of it too is identifying the right guy. You know, it's not as easy as it looks to us mm -hmm. on TV with the, whatever the protection sliding one way or the other. But, you know, maybe is he is he identifying the right guy? Because indecision causes you to play slow. So maybe that's part of it. I'm not saying Saquon doesn't know what he's doing, again, because I don't know enough about the position. But he definitely is something uh, he'll work on. I have no doubt. I have all the faith in the world in Saquon Barkley as a player and a person that he will remedy this. And he's going to hear about this, you know, from his friends and family and teammates and coaches. And he's going to get better from it. You can't yeah. run from it. Mm -hmm. I, I, he'll have to. I think he will. It's interesting that Joe Judge was asked about this. And you know how coaches are when someone says, look, a guy from outside the organization who's not playing anymore, like Tiki Barber, said this about your star running back. So it, it, it was an open invitation for Joe Judge to kind of say, look, we don't, we don't care about what Tiki Barber says. You know what Joe Judge said about this? He said, I respect Tiki. Obviously, he's a guy that knows the game. He's been a great player for this organization. Then he said, but we're going to go ahead and make sure we get everybody rising up and we still believe in Saquon. Yeah. So, so Joe, Joe Judge knows this. And the last thing on this, Tiki told me, he said, here is what you have to do as a running back. When you see someone in the hole, in your mind, it's a decision that has to be made. That's my guy. I know it's my guy. I have to hit him. I have to stop his momentum so I can protect my quarterback. You have to be aggressive. You have to be mean. You have to be physical. And so we know, you know, Saquon is much more physically 
able to do anything on the field than Tiki Barber was, even though Tiki Barber was no slouch. So um, he'll have to do it. But I think this is a good, if not, you know, maybe too dramatic to say a crossroads moment for Saquon, but the team has lost. They lost their opener. The Bears are going to come after him in, in pass protection. And this is what great players do, right? They rise to the challenge and they get better. I think he will too. I mean, I he's just, he's too prideful. I have all the confidence in the world that he'll figure it out. Yeah. Now, Joe Judge was interesting because this week he took a very definite tact when it came to this young team and nurturing them after a loss. They played okay. They didn't play great. He does not criticize players in public at all, right? What did we talk about this summer? They're running laps. He's a tough guy. They're, they're hitting. Oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a meanie, right? He's a he's a mean guy. He doesn't criticize any of them. He has a good word to say about anybody. Some, some of these rookies who didn't make the team, you ask him about him in the summer in training camp, and he'd say, I like the way he was attentive in Zoom meetings. You know, he always found something... Yeah to say about the guy. Now, this is what he said. I asked him about that this week. And he said, sometimes a team needs some encouraging. Sometimes they need a come to Jesus moment. And he said, this is my time to encourage the team. You can sense that with a coach, right? Sometimes when you win, he wants to knock you down a peg. When you lose, he tries to pat you on the back, right? Or the opposite. It depends on the coach. Yeah, I like the strategy. You know, it's a young football team. They they played hard. Um, they obviously didn't win the football game, but they were up against a superior team. And let's just call it what it is. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to make some waves all season. But I like his messaging. You know, and, and watching all the uh, post-game interviews the other night, I kind of went through all of them. And, you know, this team is speaking the same language. If you watch these players and hear what they're saying, and then you listen to Joe Judge, that's the sign of a great head coach getting his message across to his players because they're starting to talk like him. You know, you remember when Tom, we used to talk about team all the time and being on time and just little things like that. You're starting to hear these players echo what Joe Judge is saying. And that's the ultimate sign of respect from that locker room. They believe in Joe Judge. They know what he brings to the table and they're going to play hard for him. We saw that uh, Monday night. I plan on seeing even an even better product this Sunday when they head up to the Windy City. You know, I, I, I agree with you that it, it's a good sign for a team when they they mimic and echo what the coach says as a reporter not always so not so good not yeah. so great you know not you, so, listen I, Paul you can find the guy in there that's going to give you a soundbite there's always one or two that's why I went to the kicker you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right you know what look I've been planning this podcast for for years Lawrence I said when you came I said you know what in 2007 I said I'm going to hook my hitch my wagon to this Lawrence time I was a terrible interview though I look, went back and look at some of my interviews I was terrible. I was a robot. I really was a robot. I, t- I say that all the time. When you play pro football and you're in a program, Tom Coughlin's program, in a good way, you speak the same language as everyone else in that locker room. So you give the company line, the answers. And sure, sometimes I wanted to say, shut up, Paul. Stop asking me about missed kicks. But I didn't. Well, know? and I would have said, well, you know what? I'll ask you about made kicks when you make the kick. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I was coming minor league baseball once and, I, and I, it's Ernest third baseman. It was in the Yankee organization. He came up to me and he said, you know, you are a bad guy. And I was the same age as the players. I was like 22 years old. And, and he said, I said, what? He said, you know, my wife reads the stuff that you write. The other day you wrote that I struck out with the bases loaded. Yeah, and I said, did. And I said, well, did you? He said, yeah, but do you think I wanted to? Mm. And I'm like, that's not the way it works. You know, right. I mean, you know, I, 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 that was, that was, you know, I, I didn't have to, t- I, I, the one thing I didn't have to lecture you, Lawrence, after you, nope. you know, the few times you missed the kick and you didn't say to me, why do you have to write about the missed kick? You know, I know. I mean, hey, you're one of the best. You know that. We, we love you in that library. Well, excuse me. The, the, your sound went down for a second. What was that? Can you repeat that? We love you. You're one of the best. Good. Very good. All right. You know what? I, lo- I like good stories. A retribution story. Mitchell Trubisky. 
going into yeah. the fourth quarter last week in the season opener, right? What was the stock value of Mitchell Trubisky through three quarters last week? Sell, sell, get rid of it. Right? Get, get rid, rid of it. it. Get, I mean, just joke, whatever you want to say about Mitchell Trubisky, this guy was drafted before Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. He's a disaster. It's it's blow it all up, right? And Lawrence, what happened in that fourth quarter? Three touchdowns. Trubisky time. We call that Trubisky time. He's a fourth quarter machine. But listen, it's not his fault. He got drafted second. I hate when people bring that up. The, the Bears took him second. So, But I get the comparisons because... Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have been outstanding. Having said that, he's still Mitchell Trubisky. I plan to see the old Mitchell Trubisky. They were playing the Lions. Let's not forget about that. Mm-hmm. They were so, pass away from losing the game. We know that. Yes. They were in, you know, Adrian Peterson got loose a little bit. I kind of looked at the numbers there. So it looks like they may be able to run the football this weekend. You still got to, you know, he's got to deal with Khalil Mack. And they've got a, a nice defense. You know, the, the back end is good with Fuller and Jackson. But Trubisky, I do, to your point, like a nice comeback story, right? Nick Foles, the rent-a-quarterback, has been signed again. And he didn't win the job. So you got to be careful with Mitchell Trubisky, too. He can run really well. I saw he had a couple runs for big yardage, um, but I, he's still a little bit erratic with the football. And I don't think they have, you know, outside Allen Robinson, they don't have a ton of weapons offensively. Cohen is, is a nice player, but nothing that scares you. No, I agree. And last year's game in Chicago, it's unusual. They go, Giants are going to Chicago two years in a row, a team not in the, in the division in late November was one of the games that told ownership this head coach, Pat Shermer, doesn't have it. Mitchell Trubisky was not good in that game. Two interceptions, 69 quarterback rating. The, the Bears did very little to make you think, man, this is this is they should win the game. They won the game 19-14. It was just a blah offensive game for the Giants. And it was the, the coaching regime, the Pat Shermer regime did not get fired because they couldn't beat the good teams on the schedule because they couldn't beat some of the crappy and mediocre teams on the schedule because of coaching. So, you know, going into Chicago now, look, Joe Judge is not getting fired whether they win or lose this game. Certainly if they lose this game, of course not. But, you know, I I think, look, the Steelers were one thing. We knew that, right? The Steelers are a class operation. The Bears, I think, are mediocre, right? They're playing at home, but there's no fans. It's so field. Uh, It's a game the Giants have to go in on equal footing, even though they're underdogs. They have to do some things in this game, Lawrence, don't they, that make you think, you know, there's some improvement here anyway. Yeah, I mean, I looked at the number. I mean, Adrian Peterson almost had 100 yards rushing the football. And so there's going to be opportunities there to get the run game. And I I really think if we can get the run game going, run some play action type stuff, which we, we had no opportunity to do against the Steelers. Daniel Jones had a really nice game, but... That was without any play action. I mean, the the Steelers were not uh, fooled by the run at all. So I expect us to play well. It it is an opportunity to win. It is the NFL. We are five-point underdogs. If you want to be respected in this league, you got to go up there and and beat mediocre football teams. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, What do you, how do you see this game going, Lawrence? Like I said, last year was a close game, low scoring game. I don't know if people would be surprised if it was that way again. How do you see this game shaping up? I got the Giants 24-20. You know, it's going to be... You picked the Giants in this game? I did. I did. I told you we'd get off to a hot start. I'm 0 for 1, but here we are. Um, I'm not going to go against my picks earlier in the year. So 24-20. Uh, closer, close game, you know, but they 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 uh, kind of cruise to an easy victory. The 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 Bears score late to kind of make it look respectable. Kind of like what the Steelers did in the first yeah. game against the Giants. Yeah, uh, you know what? I I have this thing about the Giants lately. It's I kind of have like battle fatigue, and so when they start <laughs> the season, I say I'm not going to pick them until they win a game. In the past few years, I didn't have to pick them for 
you know, weeks and weeks at a time. Sure. So, so I, I kind of go with that, kind of prove it to me. So I'm not going to pick them until they win a game. It's what, a five and a half point spread. Uh, I'll take the Bears by a touchdown right now, so they'll cover. Um, am I am I going to go bet your money on that? No, but um, I just like I want the Giants to show me that they can win a game first before I can pick them. That's all. You want to make this a two lap or a one lap bet? No, this is a one lapper. No, the one lapper. It's not. It's not a very good game. So it's, yeah, it's we'll do a one lapper. This is a one lap. I'll send it to you on 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 text. I'll send and, you. And real, real quick, real quick, because I would be remiss because you are the kicker after all. Uh, Joe Judge said that Cordell Patterson, their kick returner, he basically said he is the greatest player he's ever seen. He kind of said. This is a guy you'll read about in history books, and he's one of the best ever to play the game as a kickoff returner. He coached him in 2018 with the Patriots. You, Lawrence Tynes, are lining up for the kickoff for the New York Giants. Cordell Patterson is back there. What do you do? Just kick it out of bounds. No, you don't. You do not do that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we did do that against uh, Devin Hester. Remember Rex Grossman Bears? Yeah, 40 yards. Purposely. You remember that game? It was a cold November night. We went up there. Coach Coughlin gave me a green light, said, I don't care if it goes out of bounds. We want to paint the sideline with these kickoffs. And I think two of them went out of bounds. No penalty. Like, I you know, I didn't get yelled at or anything. So it was really? a pretty cool night. Well, because we, all, we thought Devin Hester was the one guy who could beat us. We didn't think Rex Grossman could. So... We didn't want to give him the football and let him get the ball, you know, on the other side of the 50-yard line. Corderell Patterson, hard, straight, and fast. I remember it from our scouting reports when I played against him. He's a big man. He covers a lot of ground, and he does not mess around. He puts his foot in the ground, and he runs north and south. He is a dynamic returner. I don't know if he's, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but he's so damn physical. You know, last week he averaged 36.7 on three returns. So that's pretty good. I had a little leakage on one kickoff return this past week. So I think T-Mac and Coach Quinn will get that cleaned up. And then, of course, you got Coach Judge, the special teams guy. So that'll be something of huge importance to them going into this game for sure. Ted Ginn's on that roster too, don't forget. So you might see some gadgets. All right, guys, it's time now. And I'm going to take the Giants 27-24. I'm going with ULT. Two out of three, we're taking Big Blue to – Get out of the losing column. Let's wrap up this segment with Tyne's time. It's every week, every Thursday, we're going to have LT tell a story from his playing days. This one actually happens to be about the real LT. So take it away, Tynesy. It does. Thank you, Jake. Thanks for that nice introduction of the first edition of Tyne's time. So 2007, I was given the option of three football teams to be traded to by the general manager of the Chiefs. It was the Giants the Texans and the Saints. I went to, I've, I've shared this with everyone on the, on the show before. I went to the Giants because of Thomas McGahee, my relationship with him. Fast forward, you know, to a week after the trade, I go to New York. My first introduction to anyone in the organization is at Westchester Country Club for the Giants charity golf outing. I meet Jerry Reese for the first time. I'm shaking his hand and alongside of him is Harry Carson. I don't know this at the time. I shake Jerry's hand. He's like, welcome to New York. We're glad to have you. And I shake Harry Carson's hand. I didn't know at the time. I'm shaking Harry Carson's hand. And he goes, what's your name, young man? And I said, my name's Lawrence Tynes, but I go by LT. And just as quick as I said LT, he goes, no, you don't. <laughs> and I said, oh. So then I was like, oh, shoot, I'm in New York. I, I'm not LT. There's only one LT. So this story gets better. Real quickly, I kind of shuffle out of the way. I'm like, oh, my God, how embarrassing. What a great introduction to Harry Carson, the Hall of Famer. Six, seven months later, I make the kick in Green Bay for the NFC Championship, sends us to the Super Bowl, and Harry's in the locker room. And he came over to me, it's the coolest thing, came over to me, looked at me, shook my hand, and said, 
I will call you LT now. So that is one of the coolest stories for me. And I can't really go by LT. I get that. I understand that. But for him to kind of remember our conversation from eight months before that, when I said I was LT and to come back and say, I've kind of earned it like a, you know, a second stringer. That's, that's fine. And it's pretty cool. You got it. You got it from his teammate. You got it from the guy that I stood did. next to him. I did. So when he said, I'll call you LT now, I, I'll take that story to my grave. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. And uh, one of the guys that was part of that team where he kicked him to the Super Bowl in Green Bay is Ahmad Bradshaw. And he joins Blue Rush next. Our next guest played six seasons as a running back for the G-Men. He ran for over 1,000 yards in two of those seasons. In those six years, he won two Super Bowls with the Giants. He was a teammate, of course, with Lawrence Tynes. He was also the fire of earth, wind, and fire in a backfield alongside Brandon Jacobs and Derek Ward. We chat with him on the 16th night, not the 21st night, of September. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Ahmad Bradshaw on Blue Rush. Ahmad, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Man, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me, dude. Appreciate you guys. LT, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Hey, thanks for coming on. Hey, real quick, let's just clear the air early in the interview. Why didn't you let me kick that field goal in Super Bowl 46? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> That's a great question. That little half spin pirouette fall down on your butt thing that, that kind of gave you six points ruined my glory. I'm sorry, dude. I'm, I'm so sorry. See, I, I think about it all the time. Okay. And you're the guy that I think about. Okay. But I had to do it, dude. I, I mean, it, it was in my nature. I've never been told not to score. And at the point, I mean, it's just, you know, Eli said, don't score, don't score. I just handed me the ball. I mean, <laughs> I mean that, that, that should have been coached. That should have been said something in the, in the huddle. Or, you know, and, and we, weren't, we weren't on our toes at that point. I mean, I surely wasn't. And ended up with my foot in the end zone, thinking about what I did. Yeah, you, the move you pulled off is like a Zumba move. It was like aerobics uh, back into the end zone. Uh, I mean, what was it like? What was Tynes like as a teammate? Come, you could rip him, make fun of him, do whatever you want here. <laughs> Tynes, my God, man, he's a leader in the, in the locker room, man. Some guy that you can, you know, you can follow his every move, and and you know he's humble, so you know uh, you can't get a ton out of him, but. You know, you just want to follow his leadership. You know he's going to lead. You know he's going to be on the stage. You know he's going to be ready to play every game, and, and that's what you expect for you know for a champion or for you know a great player. Hey, Ahmad, it's uh, Paul Schwartz here. Hope you're doing well. There's been a lot of talk today. Obviously, you're a giant. You know, former giant. You see Saquon Barkley play. I think everyone knows how great a player he is. Uh, Tiki Barber said, one of your old teammates also, Tiki Barber said some things about Saquon today about his pass protection, uh, which was not good in the Monday night game. Uh, whiffed on a block that led to a sack of Daniel Jones. Before we talk about Saquon, when you came in the league as a seventh round pick, I don't remember if you were considered a really great pass blocker. Were you? And how did you get better at that? Uh, you know what, just, uh, just that, I mean, uh, you know, that was the, the knock on my, on my game. You know, a lot of coaches couldn't trust me because of my, my pass protection. And, and it wasn't that they had seen my pass protection before because, you know, we never, you know, did, did any crazy live pass protection in practice to, you know, to be able to show them that. You know, that was just a knock on my game. So I had to prove myself some way, shape, or form. And, and, you know, that was just something I worked on. Uh, like I said, it's hard to, you know, to work on pass protection live in practice against, you know, a lot of guys. We do it, you know, we go one-on-ones with linebackers, but it's just a whole nother, it's, 
position. And, you know, that just gave, put that chip on my shoulder that, you know, I'm supposed to be in that position, you know, and I know I could. Um, it was just, I never got that chance. When I did, I made it, I made it happen, man. I wanted to punch whoever in the mouth every time they came, came blitzing down, blitzing down the hole because, you know, I wanted to prove my point. Um, and that's what made me better. You know, every time I, every time I got that chance, so I took advantage of it. And, you know, it wasn't any question. I made it to where it wasn't even any question to where if I, if I was on the field, pass protection wasn't a point, wasn't, you know, wasn't uh, my kicker. So, so t- along that point, Ahmad, do you, do you see the weakness in, in Saquon's game with regards to pass protection? I mean, do you watch closely enough to say that is something he should be better at? And going into year three, with his size and stature, I mean, that's something he should be able to do, right? Uh, it just comes with confidence, man. As a running back, uh, pass protection, it just comes with confidence. Um, you get better as, as you get experience. Um, I mean, we've all been in that situation. <clears throat> we've all been in that situation to where, you know, we've gotten beaten, you know, had, a, had our quarterback set. But uh, that just makes you better. And I think, you know, it just it won't do nothing but make him better. I mean, he has to get better at it. Now, I don't look down at him because of that. I, I, I really don't. I mean, I think you it just comes with, I mean, it's a, it's where a point where you got to make it your own game. Me, I made it my own game. I made, you know, it's a whole other game inside of, you know, what we were doing inside of going out for your pass protection inside of, you know, uh, finding your, you know, your, your linebackers and your DB to, to protect. It was just a craft of, you know, then again, for me, is am I going to hit them in the mouth? Am I going to hit them in the knees and cut them? Or, you know, am I going to get their hands down? You know, or it's, it's actually like where Eli's sitting in the pocket. You know, as a running back, we have a we have a disadvantage of we have to step up one time, have one, two steps before they have five steps straight down a hole, you know, untouched. And, you know, we have to have make that decision at that point in time. What are we going to do? Are we going to hit them in the mouth or are we going to hit them in the knees and, and cut them? And, you know, I mean, you only get better at that. Like I said, you can't practice that. Can't cut guys in practice. Can't hit them in the mouth in practice. You know, so or you try to you know limit that anyway. And that aspect, you know, uh, it just takes more work. Takes more, you know, getting more experience will help help Saquon. But I do think, you know, I mean, it, you know, he has to treat it like a game inside of game and a game inside a game. You know, he has to focus on handling the pass protection first. Which, you know, I mean, I learned. And the game slows down, like year three slowed down for me, year three. But I learned, you know, to slow it down a whole lot more at that point. And I was, I felt a whole lot more comfortable. And, you know, with the offense, you know, being comfortable in the offense, it just helps you so much more in pass protection as well. Too. So, like you said, it's year two for him. I think, you know, I mean, I mean, it is time. He's had a lot of experience. He's been, you know, he's, he's had a lot more experience than me at, at this point in his career. Uh, with me being behind Brandon Jacobs, Derek Ward, you know, Ruben my first year and then second year Derek, I mean, Brandon Jacobs, Derek Ward, you know, the second year. But like I said, that just didn't make me do nothing but get better at pass protection to, you know, to make my game that much better. And I'm sure it'll make him that much hungrier. Uh, I'm sure he'll focus on that a whole lot more. I mean, it happens to the best. Ahmad, um, you know, you mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago that you played with a chip on your shoulder. You know, I, I, I covered a lot of players and a lot of players say that and some of them mean it and some of them just kind of say it. I know you mean it. Uh, you ran, you know, I, I covered a lot of running backs and a lot of different styles. I would have called you angry. You know, you ran angry. You look like you were mad at the guy across the field. Um, would you agree with that? Uh, you know, I mean, what what is there about running angry as a running back? And do you think that's what you did? Um, yeah, I mean, at times, but I just had a different attitude in football than, you know, a lot of guys. You know, I, I love the contact. I love to hit somebody in the mouth first. And as a running back, we're, you know, 
lot to prove coming in uh, as a seventh round draft pick. Felt like I was better, you know, and I just felt like when I had my opportunities that I had to take advantage of them, and, and you know, that's just what I did all my career, every chance I got. But you know, just putting that chip on the shoulder just just makes you want it more. It keeps you hungry, and you know, uh, that's that's why I ran so angry is because you know I wanted to prove my point every time I was out there on the field. I wanted to prove myself, and I wanted to give everything I had. Two-time Super Bowl champion running back Ahmad Bradshaw on Blue Rush. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Ahmad Bradshaw. Eli Manning obviously has hung it up, Ahmad. What what do you appreciate most looking back at, you know, being in that huddle with, you know, a GOAT, such a legend in Giants history? Uh, what do you appreciate most looking back on it? Oh, man, just, you know, just winning, man, and, and being a part of, you know, his legacy, you know, being a friend, being, being a great teammate. And, and being able to protect them as much as I could when I was back there, man, I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate everything now. Nowadays, though, I get to, you know, I've had five years of retirement, so now I get to appreciate a little bit of everything. And uh, it's a blessing. Uh, it definitely is. Eli was just a, a humble, great, great quarterback who, who played his part, and, you know, in every situation. You know, he's the first in the building, the last to leave, and the type of leadership you need and you want as a quarterback just to, to lead your team and, and and show, you know, everybody on your team, you know, how to be the leader, how to be a leader. So I got a, a fun question for you, and I think I know the answer, but I want to hear you say it. There's two plays that stick out to me as your teammate that I remember vividly. Your rookie year against the Bills, decals hanging off, you're striding down the sideline, 88 yards, I think the run was. But my favorite Ahmad Bradshaw run in your career was Christmas Eve, we had to have the game against the Jets. And when you hit Brodney Poole right in the temple and kept on rolling in the end zone, and that kind of sealed the game for us. Because that was a, you know, uh, Victor had the big play. But that run, when somebody says Ahmad Bradshaw, I instantly replay that that run when you hit him and went in the end zone. What is your most memorable play as a Giant? They all add up in the end. Uh, I think the 88-yarder was probably the most memorable throughout the Super Bowl touchdown just because uh, that was like my career starter. That was what, you know, that's what showed, you know, my team and my organ- the Giants organization what I was about. Yeah, that was, you know, that was that was, that was my, my rich year, man. That was the first uh, 15 game of the season, I think, and, you know, that was the only chance, the only opportunity I had to. Hey, huge you know, game to too, be, right? To we had to have, practice. we had to have that oh, game. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, that was, that was my point coming into the game. I mean, I had, it was a crazy game. You know, it was sun, you know, it went from sunny to, to sleep <laughs> to, or rain to sleep to snow. And it was, it was crazy. And, you know, those are my type of games, the cold games, the, the wintery games, which, you know, I, I love because defenses, they don't want to hit you in, in the cold. And that's, that's the best feeling. You know what I remember about that game in Buffalo? You guys were down 14 nothing, And it was, what was it, like Christmas Eve or the 23rd? Of, you know, it was right around Christmas. And I remember thinking, what, the Giants are going to actually blow this game down 14 nothing, And then, uh, just like you said, it was 50 degrees. Then it was raining. Then it was sleeting. And it was like you were like the weatherman just blowing out of, <laughs> blowing down that stadium. You know, it, it was like, like you ran through like four or five different climates before you hit the end zone. <laughs> Yeah, it was, man. And, uh, you know, I walked to the huddle, you know, right when I got to the huddle, I said, guys, I'm going to take it to the end zone. Y'all block it up. And I knew what they were calling. Uh, It was like my first play, you know, almost like my first play of my career. I played a a lot of fourth quarter, fourth quarter games, you know, with Brandon and and D. Ward. 
was that dynamic, Ahmad, Earth, Wind, and Fire? Because, you know, some guys, you know, they don't want to share the backfield with two other guys. They want to be the guy. Kind of splitting carries with two other guys. What made that so special with you three? Because you don't see a three-headed backfield as much in the NFL anymore. Oh, man, uh, just the running back group in general. In general, we had, we just we just connected, man. You know, even with, like, Ruben coming from, I think, what was it, what, Denver, Cleveland or somewhere, like, you know, we, we just we just all connected. We all wanted to help each other. We all wanted to, you know, score touchdowns, of course. But you know, we all we all just came together, and you know that that was just the way we played. That was the the way we wanted for each other. And you know, it didn't matter who was in the game. We were rooting on each other. Um, and you know, it 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 was so good. You know, that season we were. You know, they were so successful and. You know, I was able to get in and, and you know, get off in the in the fourth quarter and, and do my thing and, you know, and show what I had in different situations. And, you know, everybody was happy. You know, D. Ward went down, you know, that Chicago game, I think it was, uh, right before Buffalo. And, that you know, that was just my opportunity, man. That was just, you know, that was next man up is, you know, how, how we always looked at it. I just had to be the next man to step up and, and be Brandon Jacobs, uh, I guess, uh, thunder to his lightning, the lightning to his thunder. Yeah, I mean, when you left Ahmad, last one for you, I mean, that that was tough for Giants fans. And I imagine it was a different world in Indianapolis. Like, can, can you kind of take us through quickly just the different franchise playing for the Colts versus playing for the Giants? And I'm sure, you know, winning two Super Bowls with the Giants, they're, you know, the, the team that holds a special place in your heart. And leaving for Indy had to have been just a completely different world. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, I never wanted to leave the Giants, of course, man. Uh, you know, but, you know, but uh, it's all a business. In the end, um, it never was my fault for the Giants fans. But um, no, I mean, you know, Indy has a, a great organization as well. You know, Peyton Manning really started a, started something well there, and you know, Andrew Luck stepped in when I was there and, and was able to try to fill some shoes. Um, but you know, just what Peyton had did and, and stamped with that organization was was huge. So it wasn't like that much different because I guess you know, me with me playing with D Live for so long and then you know, seeing just you know, how his brother and that changed an organization and, and helped so much to, to make it what it was, for, you know, for me to see that. And, you know, I mean, they're both great organizations, of, you know, great owners. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a huge change within the organization, should I say. I mean, team-wise and, and uh, New York City-wise, it was a big difference. <laughs> yeah, th- th- you know, things close at 10 p.m. versus 4 a.m. here. You know, the party starts at midnight in New York, and we're in Indy. They're asleep by then. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, <laughs> two-time Super Bowl champion, number 44, uh, the fire of earth, wind, and fire. You're a shining star indeed. And also, congrats to your son, who was offered a, uh, you know, extended offer by UVA. Congrats to him, and I know you're you're doing a good job being a dad for your kids right now and your post-NFL life, oh, yeah. so we appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, B, thanks, oh, brother. Bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That ends episode 36, the Sean Williams edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCory for producing the show. Subscribe to Blue Rush wherever you listen to podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. For Paul Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Steins. We'll chat with you all next on Monday after the Giants-Bears game. Take care and stay safe.